This is what business in the sunshine economy sounded like one year ago as the COVID crisis was taking hold. The cascade of cancellations adds up to about $3 million. We're basically done for a couple of months, and that includes April and May. And now one year into the pandemic? The future looks much, much better. (laughs) March, April, and the near future after that seem very, very bright. I'm Tom Hudson. Today on the Sunshine Economy, business during COVID-19, one year later. Also on the program, catching up with the baker, banker, and cleaner working in this pandemic economy. It's been so difficult to find people. Employees? I'm optimistic, looking forward that things are going to get better. I'm really looking forward to a very sunny future. It's all ahead on the Sunshine Economy. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Thanks for listening this week and for supporting public radio. I'm Tom Hudson. Canning jars and barbecue grills. Those have been some of the hot items at Palm Beach Gardens Ace Hardware in northern Palm Beach County throughout this pandemic. Canning jars. We do really well with canning jars. I haven't had a canning jar in my store since last April. That's Joe Lingenbach. He's the managing partner of the Ace Hardware franchise. He said canning jars won't be on his shelves again until September because of the demand across the country. Garden hoses are another thing that Pretty much for three or four months, our shelves were empty. We just could not get them. And when they came in, they were already gone. And to go with all those garden hoses? Usually it takes us three or four months to sell a garden seed display. It was gone by April. People were doing gardens and they were doing all kinds of stuff. And we were the benefit of that. Sales have been strong. Taxable sales at hardware and paint stores in Palm Beach County jumped 13% over the first 11 months of last year compared to a year earlier. That's the most recent data from the state. Overall, taxable sales in Palm Beach County fell 6%. And during the depths of the pandemic, the state tax data tell the story that Lingenbach experienced. While taxable sales revenues plunged in April, May, and June, down 20% or more each month, Taxable sales had double-digit increases in two of those months at hardware stores. It has made selling those barbecues awfully easy. Because people are in a good mood when they buy a grill and they're excited, so it's, it's, it's fun that way. A year into the pandemic, some businesses have thrived from the stay and work-from-home trends, while others have had to figure out how to survive with health restrictions. Some companies, even those relying directly on consumers, have flourished. That was far from guaranteed a year ago when the economy was quickly shutting down as the pandemic was in its early days. This is what the tourism and restaurant business in South Florida sounded like a year ago. The cascade of cancellations adds up to about $3 million. We are selling maybe 25% of what we regularly sell. So, So it's a big hurt. Sales are a little down. I would say around 30%. We're basically done for a couple of months. I've had 33 cancellations, and that includes April and May. The restaurants have kind of accelerated in the declines. We're down 20, down 30. 
we're down 50 to, to 70 percent. I told my wife, it's not us. It's just like it's what's happening. The best case scenario doesn't even look that good. These voices represent businesses feeding tourists and residents, organizing big corporate events at hotel conference centers, and fishing the waters of the Florida Keys. They are small businesses, some with just the owner as a single employee to a few hundred people, and they have made it through what everyone hopes has been the worst of the economic consequences brought on by the virus. Their businesses remain open, but changed in small ways, like wearing masks, and much larger ways. When we first spoke with Deidre Avaday last year, she shared that she had just laid off a half dozen employees. This is how we reported it one year ago tomorrow. Six employees at COTC events in Dania Beach are among the first economic casualties in South Florida of the business shutdown as a result of COVID-19, the coronavirus. Avaday runs COTC events in Dania Beach. It plans big corporate events. The conference industry was among the first to feel the economic effects of the pandemic. About half her staff a week ago. Um, six. Six. It was a sudden and sharp drop-off in business. $3 million worth of contracts had been canceled in days, a reversal of fortunes for her company a year ago. Six weeks ago, we were probably looking at our best year that we've had since we've been in business. Last year, 2019, was our top year to date. And this year coming up in 2020, we had some very, very large programs on the books. But it all stopped, and it didn't return. We caught up with Ava Day a year later. I remember during that interview, I felt almost certain that by the fall, we would be back in business and busier than we knew what to do with. And that didn't happen. She was shy to make predictions when we talked with her this month. But like others we spoke with again a year after the beginning of the pandemic, her optimism is growing thanks to the vaccines. I think that we are going to see a big pickup in the middle of the year for people that are looking to plan live in-person events again. But that may be for 2022. It might even be for 2023. I also think that, and I hope, that in the second half of this year, we're going to see short-term pop-up business from clients and from companies that are kind of keeping an eye on things and seeing what's happening. And they really want to get their people out. And if they see an opportunity and see things are um, what they feel like is a a safe and a a well-calculated move, they may plan a trip within a month's notice. The economic effect of her expectations would ripple through the South Florida economy and the dominance of the hospitality industry. Conferences lead to hotel bookings, catering, transportation, entertainment, and all down the line. That includes the restaurant that has been in Steve Saywitz's family for four generations. We are doing better than expected. Saywitz is the chief operating officer of Joe's Stone Crab Restaurant on South Beach. Almost all of our employees are working albeit maybe slightly augmented shifts. They're not maybe getting as much overtime and they're hopefully making 40 hours a week. This is a big difference compared to last March when we spoke with Saywitz from an empty dining room where just a few weeks earlier, upward of 300 people were working. The lights in the main dining room are out. The chairs are turned up on top of the tables. Uh, There's nobody here except at our takeaway. The main dining room is quiet. The kitchen is quiet, the main kitchen. And there's very few cars except for the takeaway. That takeout business continues, and the main dining room has opened up again, but with capacity restrictions. 
When we spoke with Edgar Leal a year ago, he had closed his small dining room in Wynwood, and his voice was echoing off the walls. We're working now in the kitchen, but the restaurant is completely, it's just like empty chairs and empty, and, and empty street, because the street, like, like this street, a lot of people walk around, and actually right now, there's no one walking in front. Back then, he shared his name with his restaurant called Leal Bistro, but thanks to a new investor, he has a new restaurant called Totem. It's in the same spot, but with new fixtures, new marketing. Basically, the food that we have now, it's the same food that I've always done. We just changed the china, we changed how it looks, and we added a, lot, a little bit of more like drama to the dishes, like smoke. That's what people kind of like now. His new concept opened in October. Reborn, Leal said, after having the dining room closed for six months, surviving on takeout and deliveries, which he used as an opportunity for some market research. <laughs> the, the nice thing when we did the deliveries is since it was me doing it, I was uh, I was with my car taking all the food, so I got to, to meet all my clients in, in their home. So now I know which price of bottle of wine they can afford or not. <laughs> That's a joke, of course. <laughs> Like so many restaurant owners, Abe Ng was forced to cut his staff to what he called the bare minimum a year ago. We've got um, uh, one sushi chef, uh, which normally there may be three. We've got um, uh, a wok uh, cook where usually there's there's two. So everybody has to be uh, more efficient, uh, but we have made across-the-board cuts. Ng owns and runs Sushimaki. His catering business went to zero. Counters at Hard Rock Stadium, FIU, UM, and Nova Southeastern closed. It was takeout and his counters at some regional Whole Food grocery stores that stayed open. His restaurants are back open now, and in fact, a few new locations have opened during the pandemic. Truthfully, uh, opening any restaurant or reopening a restaurant during pandemic is like a new opening. You had all these new protocols and um, so I think uh, our, our team has just an amazing job of rallying and, and being inventive. Ng said that after the bare minimum staffing of a year ago, Sushimaki now has about 85% of the staffing it had prior to the pandemic. Xavier Figueredo has just one employee, himself. He has owned his own backcountry sport fishing guide business, Bay and Reef Company, for more than 20 years out of Isla Mirada. His business counts on good weather and a full calendar. When we spoke with him one afternoon last March, he had just gotten back from being out on the water. The weather was certainly in his favor. It was just uh, one of those incredibly beautiful days with crystal clear water and visibility down to 70 feet on the ocean side. And uh, maybe saw one or two other boats out there. <laughs> his fishing calendar had emptied out first with the international travel restrictions and then the fear of the virus took hold and shut down tourism altogether. 33 cancellations, and that includes April and May, and I'm sure I'll be hearing from more. He's hearing from them now, though. We spoke with him again earlier this month. <laughs> March, April, and the near future after that seem very, very bright. My calendar has filled up dramatically. We'll hear more from Figueroa and his fishing guide business in the Keys a little bit later on in this program. Today on the Sunshine Economy, we're catching up and hearing again from a number of people we spoke to in March of 2020, just in the early days of the public health emergency and the COVID-19 pandemic. Still to come, the return of the restaurant business. We're going to rebound. 
we are poised to do pretty well. We have to be careful, though. I'm for the slow nickel rather than the fast dime. We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening and supporting public radio. You can find the podcast of this program and catch up on all of our past programs by searching Sunshine Economy on your podcast app and hitting subscribe. Restaurants in South Florida have recovered from the pandemic compared to the industry nationwide. Now, nationally, the number of in-person diners at restaurants in March is down by about a third versus pre-pandemic traffic. But in Miami, Miami Beach, and Fort Lauderdale, the customers are back. It's not as if COVID-19 didn't happen, though. The virus continues spreading. But safety protocols, vaccines, and pandemic fatigue have brought back diners. Being a native Miamian, we are used to adversity. This is A. Bing. He also grew up in the restaurant industry in South Florida. Um, You know, whether it's just a great recession, uh, hurricanes. So I think there's something about us that makes us a little little tougher. He owns and runs Sushimaki. Sales collapsed by more than 60% in the early weeks of the pandemic. When restaurants had to close their dining rooms, the industry was forced to shift to takeout and delivery, what the restaurant industry calls off-premise eating. He shrunk the menu at Sushimaki to focus on the best sellers and what items traveled best. And the fees that the restaurant has to pay to online delivery apps like Uber Eats and DoorDash are squeezing margins. Beverages like alcohol or desserts are higher margin. You know, a lot of that is lost when you're consuming uh, off-premise. And the other thing is just wages uh, are going up, not just about the minimum wage going up to $10 on September 30th. That's the Florida state minimum wage. That's right. But there's also pressure because there are new restaurants that are opening in town. While data from Open Table show diners are back in seats in South Florida restaurants, revenues have remained below pre-pandemic levels. Taxable sales at restaurants collapsed as much as 90% last spring. They steadily recovered through the end of last year so that by November which is the latest month of data from the Florida Department of Revenue, taxable sales at restaurants in Broward and Monroe counties were flat compared to a year earlier before COVID-19. We're going to rebound, but I liken it like a bull getting ready to run out of the gate. Steve Saywitz owns and runs Joe's Stone Crab Restaurant on South Beach. We are poised to do pretty well. We have to be careful, though. I'm for the slow nickel rather than the fast dime. Saywitz said he raised the pay for employees in the early months of the pandemic for battle duty, he called it, and to help retain workers. That was temporary, but he said the restaurant continued its practice of annual pay hikes in January, and most employees are back. So much in the restaurant business has changed in the past year, but not necessarily for Madison Coach. He opened El Bagel on Miami's Upper East Side in March of last year and had people inside the shop for just a few days before closing his seating area. Overnight, he switched to online ordering and invented a pickup window at his front door. He's changed some of the layout inside the shop for employees, but not how he's selling bagels. I believe the last time we spoke, we were still working on like a table in front of the shop. About a few weeks after we spoke, you know, we built a permanent window to fit into the door, like a custom wood 
uh, unit so that the AC doesn't get out. And then we've also rebuilt that window twice over since then. <laughs> we've changed the bar in the front so that you can get more access to the front because before you, you had to walk around. But I am still in full online only mode. We every day are always trying to improve the system. It's, it's not a situation where we're like, okay, only you know three more months of this and then we'll be done. I don't really see a time when we'll be able to operate like we used to. The shop, you know, the few days we were open was wall to wall, almost like a nightclub. You know, if anyone's been to a, a bagel shop, they know like, you know, the line and everyone's a bagel Saturday at 9 a.m. So to handle, you know, an influx of people during our short hours like that, to do it safely, I think it's going to be a while. One of the big changes Coach has experienced is the cost of protective equipment, particularly gloves. He said he used to pay $25 for a case of latex gloves. Now he's paying five times that. The past year was so irregular uh, for so many reasons, obviously, because of the pandemic, that it's tough for me to make any decisions going forward uh, based on the past year. And I can look at the data from our sales, but it won't tell me much. And I think that we spend a lot of time stressing over what to do for the future. And maybe the best thing that we can do is just ride the wave. That's Madison Coach. He owns and runs El Bagel in Miami. Still to come, the calendar for the conference business and the wave it can send through the economy. It's been an economic crisis for us, not a health one. And we're getting through it. We're getting through it. This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening this week. Be sure to follow WLRN on social media. Look for us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. On today's program, we've been catching up with a number of people we first spoke to 12 months ago. In March of 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic was just beginning. Over the course of only two weeks, a public health emergency was declared the NBA season was postponed. A handful of cases had been confirmed in Florida. Testing was just getting underway. Public schools would be closed and the cruise industry would be docked. By this week, one year ago, restaurant dining rooms, bars, nightclubs, and gyms were all ordered closed. Visitors to nursing homes were prohibited. Even beaches were closed down, all in the effort to slow the spread of COVID-19. It led to a fast and deep recession. Business disappeared overnight. The unemployment rate shot up as companies tried to stay in business with so much uncertainty. The hospitality industry, restaurants, bars, hotels, and anything servicing South Florida's usually robust tourism industry during the height of spring vacation season quieted to a whisper of what it was normally. This is the second pandemic spring break, and it is in full swing along South Florida's beaches. Hotel occupancy in Miami Beach is down only 8% compared to a year ago, and the average revenue per room 
is higher by 7%. So hotels have been able to raise prices thanks to stronger demand. And Airbnb bookings are up as well, according to data from the Greater Miami Convention and Visitors Bureau. In February, the latest month the data is available in Broward County, ahead of the spring break season, hotels near the Fort Lauderdale Beach were about two-thirds full. These visitors are coming as the pandemic continues with mask and social distancing requirements still in place. But the convention and conference business is not showing signs of returning, not yet. In December, hotel rooms booked for conferences were down 89% compared to a year earlier. It was the worst month since March of 2020 when the pandemic forced the wholesale cancellations of the conference business. This is the industry Deidre Avade counts on. She owns and runs COTC events from Dania Beach. She works with companies organizing sales meetings, conferences, and conventions. I think that we are going to see a big pickup in the middle of the year for people that are looking to plan live in-person events again. But that may be for 2022. It might even be for 2023. I also think that, and I hope, that in the second half of this year, we're going to see short-term pop-up business from from clients and from companies that are kind of keeping an eye on things and seeing what's happening and they really want to get their people out and if they see an opportunity and see things are um, you know looking what they feel like is a, a safe and a, a well calculated move you know they may make a may, may make a plan a trip within a month's notice how does your current book of business look how does your calendar look our current book of business right now is very heavy 2022. So what ended up happening was last year in 2020, our clients rolled their programs forward into 2021, which is now, and now they've done it again. So they've rolled again into the next year. Um, you know, we're all watching the same news reports. We're all, you know, we're all watching the same things that are happening in our culture and our cities and our, in our country. And we're all making the best guesses. And when people see that things aren't progressing rapidly enough, they just basically roll their programs forward. So heavy 2022, a few things in 2021, but we're not sure that they will, that they'll happen. You know, we have contracts for them. We're working on them. We're in close communication with the clients, but we're all proceeding cautiously because if the client decides that, they don't feel safe or they don't feel comfortable producing an event, we back them up 100%. Avaday's company received a loan through the first Paycheck Protection Program last spring of just over $262,000. It saved 15 jobs, and she said they used the time to figure out a new line of business, responding to where the demand for business meetings moved, online. Huge help. I was able to bring my entire team back together it was great. It was wonderful. It was like a honeymoon. We all got back together and we worked on developing um, what we would call our virtual tariff. So we were like, okay, we got to do virtual. Let's see what it's about. People still need to get together. If they can't do it in person, we're going to do it on Zoom. So we jumped into that. We spent all that time on our PPP, exploring that, learning about it and turning that kind of into a product. And we've also just now gotten our second round of PPP funding that came through about a week and a half ago. So we've had support from the government. On the Paycheck Protection Program, that money can be forgiven if it's spent on specific expenses, most notably 
on paychecks, on salaries. Has that first loan been forgiven for you? It has. I submitted early. Uh, Again, not a difficult process at all. Filled in the paperwork, sent it in, and it was, and and it really hasn't been a problem. You know, it's nerve-wracking while you're doing it because you feel very much like you need this money and that this money will make a big difference, what we call stretching out the runway for our business recovery. The problem has been, Tom, that private funding and private loans are not going to happen when you don't have revenue coming in and if you don't have contracts. So the I did go to my personal bank in the beginning, my personal business bank that I've been with forever when this all first started happening for the first time, looking to see what the possibilities were for a line of credit or for a loan. And the possibilities were zero <laughs> because, you know, the, the whole world of corporate events was collapsing and travel was collapsing and hotels and restaurants were collapsing. So it didn't seem like a good bet for them at the time. Last year, when we spoke, just as the pandemic was taking hold, just prior to all of the real public health emergency protocols put into place in terms of closing down restaurants and bars and the hospitality industry for several weeks. You talked about step-down decisions you were making in real time, cut back on the usage of the company credit card, no lunches. Uh, Then it became cutting freelance uh, and independent contract work. And then you started cutting into the bone of the business and had to deal with full-time staff. What does employment look like now for the firm? Well, we're at four people that are with the firm now, which is, you know, less than, which I don't know, 20%, 25% of where we were. And it's our position of scaling. We have virtual things we're doing, like um, virtual mixology and bingo and yoga and things that companies can do even during their Zoom meetings. So there's enough going on. I mean, it's very minor, but it's enough to begin that scaling process. Will you be able to scale quickly? Do you have the resources to scale if the meeting and conference industry does experience a snapback in the year ahead or so? Believe it or not, it's a big concern for all of us because some of the things that have happened this year is that we have lost talent and we've lost talent out of our pool. We've lost restaurants. We've lost vendors. We've we've just lost some resources that were plentiful before. And I don't think anyone knows the answer to that question yet. Unfortunately, in my experience with business, when things go bad, they go bad fast. And when they get good, they get good fast. You know, it's not It has not been smooth in my experience. I mean, we're going to do our best. The reality is, is that a lot of people have left this industry, people that were great in this industry and had, you know, good careers and were well-respected and were doing good work. And they're out. They're done. They're like, I can't be out of it for a year. And now you're looking at stretching this even further. You know, it's a lot to ask of people to either stand by or to collect unemployment or work a different job or work part-time or borrow money or whatever it is they're going to do. I mean, this just can't go on for people forever. It's not realistic. You and your industry really were the canaries in the coal mine here, given all the pre-planning, all the organization that these big conventions and conferences take. You began feeling the effect of the pandemic really weeks 
before other businesses and other industries really felt those consequences. Myself, my family, my team, we're all still very close to each other. And we have avoided medical problems. We haven't been touched by this physically, knock on wood, and we won't be. So it's been an economic crisis for us, not a health one. And, and we're getting through it. We're getting through it. We feel like we have better optics now on what's coming. We could be wrong again, Tom, but we feel, we feel pretty positive about it. That's Deidre Avide with COTC Events. She said she's brought back now four employees, plus herself, but she is not drawing a salary yet. Still to come, the fast return for one sport fisherman. As busy as I've ever been, yes. The future looks bright. We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening this week. Our podcasts are up and running through your favorite podcast app. Just search Sunshine Economy and be sure to hit subscribe. You can hear some of the original programs that we reported during the early days of the pandemic a year ago. One of the most vulnerable local economies to the COVID-19 virus is the Florida Keys because of its reliance on tourism. Visitors have been responsible for about half the jobs in the Keys. In Key West, about 7 out of 10 jobs are touched in one way, shape, or form by tourism. And the Keys closed to all non-essential visitors for more than two months last spring. It was an unprecedented response to a public health emergency. The tourism economy was just cut off in the effort to slow the spread of the virus. The Keys also is where the environment and the economy intersect in significant ways in South Florida. The shallow waters of the Keys have attracted fishermen, divers, and boaters for generations. It's what attracted Xavier Figueroa. He was born in Cuba, raised in New York, and worked as a respiratory therapist in Colorado before coming to the Keys and becoming a sport fisherman and backcountry guide more than two decades ago. It's a small operation that he runs, just he and his wife and two boats. We first called him just days after Monroe County ordered all short-term visitors staying in hotels and short-term rentals to leave the island chain last March. It was just two days before the county put up a roadblock in late March of last year, closing the keys and cutting off the tourism industry. Hello, Tom. Hey, Captain. How are you? Good. You uh, on the dock now? No, I'm home. <laughs> but Were I, you out on the water today? I, I did go out this morning, yes. And how are they biting? It was wonderful. <laughs> Figueroa had been out on the water with one of his last charter customers, despite it being the height of the season. Groupers were biting, he said, but it wasn't grouper season, so those were thrown back. They caught plenty of snapper, though. Lunch and dinner fish, he called it. We caught a bunch of snapper and uh, sharks. Nice day. It may have been a great day for fishing, but the storm was just beginning from COVID-19. Monroe County is a small county in terms of population, but before the pandemic, it would welcome 5 million visitors a year. And one out of four of those visitors would be coming from overseas. COVID has closed the international tourism market. 
but American travelers are returning. While Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties were hit hard by the travel recession, the Keys saw the industry all but collapse. At the worst of it, taxable sales at restaurants in the Keys down 80% in May from a year earlier. Hotel taxable sales down 90% that month. Total taxable sales dropped almost 70% in May of 2020. Since then, though, business has been returning. First, the Keys reopened to visitors in June, and airlines added new service to Key West. Now, there are no cruise ship passengers visiting for a few hours per day since the cruise industry remains closed. But there were more than a dozen commercial flights scheduled to land at Key West Airport on Sunday alone. We spoke with Figueroa again earlier this month to hear what a difference a year has made in his business. The situation down here has changed dramatically, and uh, I am as busy as I've ever been. And uh, <laughs> March, April, uh, and the near future after that seem very, very bright. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we live in a beautiful place. My calendar has filled up dramatically. You've been at this a good long time, Captain. This is the busiest you've ever been, huh? Well, as busy as I've ever been, yes. For 2020, I ended up doing half of my normal volume. I did approximately 130 trips instead of 250 to 255, which is what I've been averaging for the last uh, 13 years. It was a hard year, but the future looks bright. Tell us a little bit about the profile of the uh, folks that you're taking out. These are my long-term clients that are finally coming back down here after not being able to come down this last year. There is a little bit of uh, new clients, um, and that's just the the hotels starting to book fast and furious again. People from the Northeast, New York, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What have the conditions been like? The fishing conditions? Yes. They've been spectacular. <laughs> you know, uh, we have been very fortunate. We had a beautiful year weather-wise. Together with the Everglades restoration projects that have been completed, like the elevation of part of Route 41 across uh, South Florida has allowed more water co- to come down into Everglades National Park and Florida Bay than ever before, or at least in the last 20 years. So the condition of the bay is great. The fishing has been very good. The fishery seems to be recovering. Has it been busy out on the water with uh, your fellow charter captains? I think for the most part, everybody is in the same situation I've been in. Uh, We've had a slow year, but everybody's starting to recover. So it's it's about the same volume as usual. I feel very fortunate. I feel very sorry for some of the fishing guides and charter captains that have not been able to outlast that recession. You've got the benefit, of course, of being able to work outside, even though you're in close confines on the on the deck of the boat. 
Yes, I uh, I feel very safe out on the boat. You know, I do take precautions. You're not face to face in an indoor environment with somebody for a prolonged period of time. Did you change any of your business practices to respond to that big drop off in business and then the rebound that you've experienced lately? You know, we really haven't made too many changes. You know, when concierge stopped calling, uh, then business disappears. But uh, just as recently as three or four weeks ago, we were talking about starting to do a little footwork and going out and talking to the concierge and the hotels and resorts to try to drum up some business. But like I said, it's just been a a miraculous recovery in the last two to three weeks. I, I just did not expect this kind of recovery at all. That's Xavier Figueroa. He runs Bay and Reef Company. It's a sport fishing and backcountry guide out of Isla Mirada. He received two Paycheck Protection Program loans of about $4,700 each. The first was in April. The second was in late January of this year. Still to come, catching up with a baker, banker, and cleaner navigating through this pandemic economy. It's been so difficult to find people. Employees? I'm optimistic, looking forward that things are going to get better. I'm really looking forward to a very sunny future. We're back on the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Don't forget about our podcast. Search for Sunshine Economy on your podcast app and be sure to hit subscribe. Thanks. It has been several weeks since we've heard from the baker, banker, and cleaner we've been following for months here in the pandemic economy. These are three women we check in with most weeks to hear how they and their businesses are getting along as the South Florida economy works to recover from the recession caused by COVID-19. They were growing in optimism even before vaccines were approved in December and more recently with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine approval. And as more people have been getting the doses, they have become more confident in the improving economic conditions helping their companies. Pilar Guzman Zavala is the baker. She co-owns Half Moon Empanadas. And in recent months, she's talked with Joe Biden twice. Pilar, can you hear me? Yes. Hi. How are you? Once when he was president-elect, she was part of a Zoom conversation with other small business owners. This is what she told the incoming president just days before his inauguration. You know, I'm glad that you're looking at, at, at how you can support, especially small businesses, the businesses that are 10 people. The businesses that are small that are not getting the PPP. That's the Paycheck Protection Program. It's a loan program for companies. The money, though, can be forgiven if it's mostly used to pay workers. The second time the two spoke was in late February, just before President Biden announced changes to the program. I just had an opportunity to catch up with two small business owners I met on the road in the last couple weeks. And uh, the first was a very entrepreneurial woman named Pilar Guzman Savala, and um, she's in Florida, Miami. 
I was sitting again in my ventanita speaking with President Biden. The president was announcing a two-week period for only businesses with fewer than 20 employees to apply for loans through the program. The strategy was to clear the way for very small businesses and allow banks to focus on those firms processing their applications. And that was American small businesses are hurting, hurting badly, and they need help now. And it's in all of our interest to make sure they get the help now. This call actually was much more fulfilling for me because he called me to let me know, thanks to the conversation he had with me, that I had educated him on the realities of small businesses and the PPP. If that was the reason why I had to speak to him, I super welcome it because I hope we were able to help a lot of businesses. Zavala's own business has been improving. She has been selected to open a counter inside Denver International Airport. That will be her first expansion outside South Florida. And she's been working to open two stores, one in Pembroke Pines and one at Jackson Memorial Hospital. But first, she was excited to share with us a more personal update. I am happy because I just happened to see my family. My parents and my brother traveled from Mexico to Miami and they spent a few days here at home. So it was it was nice to get to see my family. It was 15 months uh, without seeing them. I didn't realize how many months it was and how much I missed them. So it was really nice to see them. Oh my gosh, I saw my dad and I started crying. I was like, oh my gosh. I, and, and I was stressed about the whole thing, the traveling thing, because he's high risk. And so I was very worried about him being in a plane but, you know, when I saw him, I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Thank you, universe, for allowing me this this blessing to see him. I was very, like, you know, me, stressed because I had the family. But then I had these two stores opening. And then so the craziness of my life plus the family was a little bit stressful. So they left and I, I'm, like, exhausted. <laughs> We've been ready to open in Pembroke Pines inside Misha's Cupcakes store. But it's been so difficult to find people. So we were ready. We've been ready. The store is ready the last 10 days. And we could not find people to work at the store. It's been really difficult. So we couldn't open. We could not get employees. I guess people are getting unemployment. And it's it's been shocking. We could not find employees. We went all over our network of people. Uh, and it's like we couldn't find until... We became creative. We put ads in Facebook, targeted specifically to that area. Uh, we did ads in Indeed, in Craigslist, called everybody we knew. And so we barely made it to like two part-times and one full-time. And so now we should be opening next week. They're in training this week in uh, our Ventanita. And then uh, the same thing with Jackson Memorial. So we are going to open in Jackson Memorial Hospital where... The little food uh, court is where the Pollo Tropical and Panera. So we're going to be the little cafe there, which I think will be an amazing location. But it, it's been the same. So we had one person quit on the Ventanita. So then we had to bring people from MIA to cover. I mean, you have to be really creative because there is no people. Like people don't want to work. That's Pilar Guzman Zavala with Half Moon Empanadas. Ginger Martin is the banker of the trio of women we've been following. She's the CEO at American National Bank in Broward County. The bank concentrates on commercial real estate lending. That business is booming while the bank has been busy with the Federal Paycheck Protection Program. We've been working on that, uh, what they refer to as a second draw 
of uh, PPP loans, payroll protection program loans. And so on this uh, second round, we've done 250 you know, loans for around $30 million. The demand for the second round really has been less. So I guess the kind of the positive thing is there are some companies that didn't have that much of a decline to really qualify for draw to. I can't say that it was a specific you know, industry or a type uh, you know, type of industry that we saw coming through the second time because you know, we, did, we actually did have some uh, physicians. Um, you know, we have some sole practitioners. Uh, some of our nonprofits did qualify and then some of our nonprofits didn't uh, need it. So it really is kind of all over the place from that standpoint. Boy, um, you know, my chief lending officer and I were talking what she's actually already has gotten approved through the end of this month is like $32 million. And it's, it's a record for her in her entire you know, career. You know, there's been money that sat on the sidelines um, that maybe was waiting to, you know, to get involved. Some of this is somebody sold a property and then they wanted to go ahead and invest in another, you know, commercial property. Some of the industries we've seen, um, you know, self-storage. Uh, we've seen some medical buildings. Demand has been strong. You know, we have talked about it's like, oh, wow, you know, a year ago is when this, uh, you know, this all started. But. I think when I look back, one of the things that I see, just the resilience of people and of companies, and you know, I think that says a lot about you know, just kind of us as Americans. We adapt and try to do what we need to do to survive and persevere. So I think when I, I look back, I just see a, a lot of that in a lot of different businesses and people's personal lives too, that thing of, of surviving. Personally, I look forward to that day when I don't have to wear a mask. Uh, and I don't know when we're going to see that. Kind of the prediction is that a lot of people by July will have been, you know, vaccinated. And hopefully that's really going to increase uh, the flow, uh, the economic flow, and, and just things like travel, improve people's optimism and, and outlook. So I'm optimistic, looking forward that things are going to get better. Ginger Martin with American National Bank in Broward County. Sherry Rudolph runs Legally Clean, where she provides janitorial services for construction offices, commercial buildings, and homes. Business just disappeared when offices closed a year ago and people were uncomfortable having strangers in their homes because of the virus. But clients are coming back, and Rudolph herself takes a big step this week toward returning to what she hopes is more normal business. For several weeks now, I had not been able to secure an appointment for the vaccine. However, I was able to schedule an appointment and I have a, an appointment from Monday morning at 845. So I'm really excited and happy about that and about the opportunities that will avail themselves to me once I get my vaccine. I'm very excited, very excited. You know, it also will relieve me in terms of going out and meeting with prospective customers uh, because pretty much everything had been through Zoom or through telephone. And, you know, you weren't really able to get that person-to-person -person contact, which I think pretty much seals the deal. But because of COVID, you know, had not been able to do that. So that will be helpful. There's always stuff in the pipeline. I've had several bids out just kind of waiting for those to come back. Mostly we're uh, seeking post-construction work. I should be hearing something probably within the next week or so. That's how construction is. It makes you hurry up and wait. <laughs> 
for the most part, all is going well. I have contracts that are uh, renewing and also calling me back to work uh, in the various offices. And so that is uh, working out really well, you know, thing, because they're starting to bring their people back to work. So therefore, you know, they need cleaning services. I feel very optimistic about the future. Uh, I feel that once the businesses start reopening, and particularly commercial office buildings, as well as people who are having contract work done in their homes because of the kids being home and them being home more. So you have, you know, people who will then need to uh, have their homes clean, have their offices cleaned, and we will be able to accommodate that. And they'll be more welcoming in terms of having other people in their homes because they will have had the vaccine shot. So I'm really looking uh, forward to a very sunny future. That's Sherry Rudolph with Legally Clean, the cleaner of our baker, banker, and cleaner trio of women we've been following for months through this pandemic economy. Now, if you missed any of this episode or any previous episodes, you can catch our podcast. It's available on your favorite podcast app. Just be sure to search Sunshine Economy and please hit subscribe so you don't miss a week. Thanks. Also, you can read The Sunshine Economy. Look for our web posts at WLRN.org. Click on the radio menu and then look for Sunshine Economy. Be sure to follow us on social media. Look for WLRN on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.